Hey world, it's your host Marshall. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Run On Thoughts. Here, we talk about everything and nothing because we are not afraid to be all of ourselves even as we evolve. And that's my thought for my fellow thought thinkers as we unpack our traumas, past hurts, and other BS. Y'all ready? Let's go. Let's go. Hey, Thought Thinkers, today we are going to be doing something a little different. The episode that you are about to hear was pre-recorded a few weeks ago. I wasn't sure if I was going to share this episode with you guys, but while we're talking about family and foe, and for me, the importance of forgiveness and what forgiveness looks like for me, because you guys know, and I talk about it a lot, that I do not believe in blind forgiveness, so I'm sharing this episode with you guys so that you can have an inside dialogue of what it means to me and what is required for my forgiveness. So without further ado, this episode is going to start like any episode normally would with me saying thank you. I'm introducing some of my new products because this was going to be my very first episode. So let's get started. Hey, Thought Thinkers, I am so excited to be back. I have been on hiatus because I have been getting some things done. I have written a book which I will be sharing with you guys. It's a diabetic handbook because for most of you that don't know, I have diabetes and I just decided to add some merch, but I wanted to add merch that supported who I really am. I want to take credit for this book, but it was really inspired by my sissy and best friend, Christine Kalev, who told me to write about what I know about. So in the future, I do want to write about a, write a book for you guys, but I'm starting easy, and I hope you guys can support this book. You can Google my name, Marcelle Wilson, on Amazon, and you can look up everything and nothing about diabetes. It's a diabetic handbook that allows you to do a 90-day log of how you eat, of your numbers, of your A1Cs, and it gives you some tips and tricks on how to maintain. If you heard that coughing in the background, today we have a very special guest. With us today is my father, Marvin Wilson. Introduce yourself, Marvin. Hi, everybody. This is Marvin Wilson and Marshall's father, and I have diabetes. And she really had taught me a lot. And we coming through this together. Oh, wow. I didn't even know he was going to share that he <laughs> had diabetes with you guys. He is getting up there in age. And he is a little sickly. And so I'm here with him just sharing some time like I usually do. But today, what we're really going to explore are relationships. The father-daughter experience and how my father and I got here because... If you've been on this road with me with Run On Thoughts podcast, you know that I am not that forgiving, you know that I am stubborn, and you know that the main goal of this podcast is to unpack your childhood, unpack your traumas, and figure out who you really are and who you really, really want to be. I have shared with you guys that I lost my mom to a drug overdose when I was about eight years old, and I went to live with my father's sister, my Aunt Dot, and she raised me. So my father wasn't in my life 
totally when I was a young adult. And like all children, we have abandonment issues. During this episode, you will hear him coughing in the background. He also has COPD, so I'm not going to fake it, front it, or act like it's not going on. But he still has some interesting... He's led an interesting life, and this life has come full circle, and that's what we're going to be exploring here today. Daddy, tell the people where you grew up and how you grew up, and then we'll get to the us of the situation. Okay, I kind of grew up in North Carolina. That's not my cup of tea, but let's get that straight out right now. <laughs> right? I'm not a Southern person, even though I was born and raised in the South. I'm, I'm a Northern person. Okay. Okay, and... Uh, was the life in South in the South hard? Man, shit. Oh, excuse me. You yeah. Can curse? Yeah, hey, man, <laughs> shit. You can curse here. Man, there's nothing. People that love it, let them love it. It ain't my cup of tea. If you, if you want to be a cotton picking, tobacco, uh, or tobacco picking person, you can you can have all my dreams. He says this all the time, guys, and I know there are many people who live in the South who do not have the life and do not live the life that he speaks of. Yeah. But born, being born in 1949, he has had a different experience and has no desire to go back and see that some parts of it has changed. Every time we have visited the South of my father, it seems to have triggers. And the crazy thing about those triggers... Please excuse the coughing. I'm not going to say it again. I'm just just so that you guys know that it's going to happen, and I don't want him to try to keep it in. But for those of you who understand triggers, when we have traveled down south, I have seen my father's behavior shift to a mean, not nice person. So it's crazy that right as a child, I could miss my father because we have this perception about what we think something is going to be. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that was going to be the father that I got if my father had stayed in North Carolina. My hopes were a figment of my imagination based on my present. Not necessarily, we can always go back to the past and reconfigure what we think it was going to be. But that is our hope. That is not necessarily the reality. Right. It wasn't until I was an adult woman that I realized that in the early part of my life, my father was doing the best he could by sending us to live with my aunt because when I checked them social security statements, I realized this Negro didn't have nothing to offer. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing? I have a word on the poor person. My dad was not. Yes. I have a word no, it was poor. bad. I was like, whoop. Yeah, I have a word on the poor person. I ain't kidding. The only reason I didn't wasn't a bum living on the street because I refused. But man, it, it was rough. And my daughter, my daughter Marcel kept me out of. She kept me. She kept me out from being homeless because she was always there for me. You know, we didn't get along good now in the beginning. Now, no, because I'm uh, a tough it, cookie. It took a man. I had to go down some roads and and prove who I was and manage who I was and. Be there for my grandson. Well, my grandson, he's a different horse now. (laughs) Well, that's that's really how we got here. It's really through the relationship with my son, your grandson, that allowed me to open up just a small portal that was going to let you in. So you could share your relationship about your grandson. Well, me, we we went down south one time. I think he was 14. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because he was about 14 years old. 
and we went down south, me, Kadeem, and a few other nephews, and no, just boys. Mm -hmm. And uh, we went down south and stayed in the hotel. Got the name of the hotel, man, but then we raked that thing. Mm -hmm. Then we then I had my sister try. She tried to step in and be all fancy. And I told them, tear up if you want to. I, your grandfather can, can can pay for it. I ain't had no money, but I just, yeah. I was just throwing some words out there. <laughs> you, you you know how how we do grandfathers. Yeah. So uh, and he he came in the room. Dad went out. He came in the room, and something was wrong with his belt. And I fixed his belt for him for him, and it was fixed perfect. And that's how me and him fell in love. A belt fixing. A belt. That's that's what happened to me and my grandson, and ever since that day, <coughs> he's been heaven and I've been earth. But daddy, you you two had a relationship way before that. I know, but it wasn't like that moment. Okay. See, you know when a you know when a moment happens. Yes. You you know when that feeling hits, you. and you know the when you're riding in a car. Yeah. And uh and I told this joke mm -hmm. to my grandson. He said, uh, it was about a horse, about a horse and a mule. Uh -huh. He said, how do a horse and a mule have a baby? Uh -huh. I said, very carefully. <laughs> 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 and he never forgot that. No, I, I get exactly what you're saying, but, you know, I was very protective yeah, of, of, him. of my son. But and he never even understood because as far as he was concerned, you were always there. You were always funny. Mm -hmm. You were always non-judgmental. All of the things. But I was just worried about. I never talked down down to him. Well, you never really talked down to anybody. No. That's one of the things that brought <coughs> you so much attention is the fact that you don't judge other people. No. You allow your life to keep you humble. Right. And not humble in a bad way, which makes you feel like you're less than, but understanding in the way that you understand that people go through things. Marcia, you and I have some rocky roads now. Yes, because I'm kind of, um, yeah. I, all of my viewers know that I am stubborn. See, you don't play with me. I don't really play with nobody. And I think that's what helped me through a lot of things. Yeah, because I'm not argumentative. I'm not argumentative. I wasn't one of those kids. I was never disrespectful or I'm not fighting with you. I'm not calling people names. I have a very high bar of how people are going to treat me. Right. And the same thing I told my father. You get to be in my son's life or, or out. out. You remember it, that? Mm -hmm. We never, ever talked about that I said that. Right. I, but I remember. And the way and I, I chose to be you, in. And you chose to be in. Mm -hmm. I never said anything about it. Mm -hmm. I let time effort and consistency mm -hmm. allow you in. And, and you know what's the beautiful thing about that, Marshall? Kadeen knows that, that I'm there. No, he does know that you're there. He knows that you're there. You two have this silent, quiet relationship yeah. that is all-knowing, all-forgiving, mm -hmm. all-in, all-everything. It doesn't require talk. It doesn't require conversation. It just It's just, I guess, like God's love. It just is. The audience, I, I call him the baby until he was 21. Sometimes you still call him the baby. Yeah, the baby. Yeah. And he's 30 years old. And he don't mind. No, he don't mind. <laughs> he just say, hey, Grandpa. Yeah. But that's how. And then what happened was when I work in Queens, I live in Queens, and you just started showing up at my job every freaking day. Anytime. I was like, what is going on that's here? Right. I, I, had to get, I had to get you back. And that was the only way I knew. I was like, what is this man doing here every single solitary and, and, and day? And you know what, audience? 
the people at the job liked it. Yeah, they liked it. They <laughs> let you come. Nobody else's job would have allowed this mess. But my job allowed it in particular because my father is a very, he's funny. He's a, com he's a comic. He's silly. And he's very complimentary. Even Chris, when I came down here this week, and said, tell him that the guy who you says, hey, handsome, or hey, good looking, yeah. said hello. And I was like, Chris, he gives these compliments to everybody. <laughs> You're not special, kid. And being that I do have a very flexible job, they did allow you. And then I would need something fixed. My father is a contractor, so he would volunteer to fix stuff. And that's how he got in the house, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> that he would fix stuff, paint, and do floors. And I had all kinds of projects. And then it turned into Project C. Yeah. yeah. Man, and, but did we start to enjoy one another? Yeah, and then I invited you to Thanksgiving. And then, honey, I'm going to tell y'all something. I didn't know nothing about taxes. Marshall did my taxes. I started getting money back. A lot of years, we walk around broke. And now we starting to get money back on that taxes. Well, because I'm not really an affectionate person, and I thank you for respecting that. Mm -hmm. And it's not I'm not affectionate out of a lack of love. Right. It's just that that doesn't really do anything for me. Right. Yeah, I don't need hugs. See, and stuff. I, I'm affecting with certain people. Yeah, my labor of love is acts of service. So right. mm -hmm. you know when I am loosening up and being attached. When I begin to want to see you have a better life. Right. If I don't want you to have a better life, Christine says I'm always in somebody's business. And the truth <laughs> oh, yeah. is that yeah. I'm always in somebody's business that I care for. Right. If I don't care for you, I don't care at all what happens to you. But, so when I, when I realized that you were so far behind and didn't necessarily have to be. Right. That's when I started taking over, and then right. that's when our relationship became reciprocal. It, right, it took off. Yeah, it took off. I was like, Daddy, what's wrong with your taxes? Daddy, why you didn't get these raises at this job? Daddy, you know you can take this yeah, test. Right. Daddy, you can take this test to get more money. He was right. like, I can. And I was like, of course you can. Right. Because sometimes you're afraid of things. You're afraid of being a loser. Oh. You're afraid of being a loser. If you don't pass the test, now you're a loser. You know, I don't want to be a loser. I don't ever want to be a loser. I never want to be a loser. You know what's so crazy is that I realized that a lot of men in particular, I'm sure this is true of women, but a lot of men who are not there, the children take on the burden like they were the problem and they feel like they are not wanted. But the truth is that these are generational curses mm -hmm. where the exact same way that you feel, your father felt as well. Like I, he has, he has generational curses. Mm -hmm. He has abandonment issues too because so I have also shared in my podcast that you don't have abandonment issues. You know, you don't have issues. Your father had issues. Right. And maybe his father had issues. Right. And then those issues of you not wanting but, to be around had nothing then, to do with and, me. And then I was abused. Yes. Well, a lot of you old timers were abused, we right? We were abused, but we had to keep it quiet. Yes. You grew up in a generation that everything had to be kept on a hush-hush. Mm -hmm. You had to push all of your feelings away and push all your feelings and, down. And we weren't allowed to tell them. I mean, that part is crazy to me. Not, I can't imagine living in a world where I can't talk. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that that's why that's the skill set that God gave me. The mm -hmm. power to not just talk, you guys, but the power to speak <coughs> my truth mm -hmm. and live in my truth. You have to wait almost wait till everybody dies and then you can tell it. That's crazy to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I also realize it's a heavy burden, right? I know people whose secrets I am carrying. 
And the reason why I'm carrying their secrets is because they care more about the living than they do about their own peace. Right. And I don't have that. But right? now you have brought me through that because now I don't I ain't care about it anymore. Well, yes. Well, that's what I try to do for everybody. It's like some some issues of anxiety, some issues of these panic attacks that my father sometimes has. I realized that, Daddy, a lot of it for you is guilt. Yeah. And it's, I, I try to fight through it, but I realize you can't fight through it because guilt is there. Yeah, you can't fight through anything. You have to go through it. You have to go if you're through, feeling yeah. sad, be sad. If right. you're feeling happy, be happy. If right. you're mad, if you are feeling anxious, whatever you're feeling, you've been taught to brush under the rug. Right. And now that you are in retirement, what is happening is that these floodgates have opened up. Right. And now that these floodgates have opened up, you have these floodgates of emotions. And my daughter told me that this was going to happen when I retired. Yes, because you're a work hog. Right. And because you're a work hog and you work <coughs> 30 years at New York City Housing Authority as a maintenance manager, right. and then you had a construction company, right. I've seen you, the only thing you've ever done is work. Right. You never went on any trips. Oh, yeah, I forced you on a vacation, and I knew he wasn't going to be able to say no. Right. Oh, man, that was some cruise. Child, I ate like a wild animal. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy, was that your first vacation outside of going south? No, my first vacation, enjoying myself. Yes. See, you would always go down south and, yeah. and eat some sloppy pig. Yeah. You know, sloppy pig. You could always go down there. Somebody had cooked the chicken on the grill. Yeah. See, you always do things like that. That that wasn't me. I went because of my family. Yeah. But I wanted to go. On, I heard the advertising on TV cruises. Mm hmm going to uh, the Bahamas. Uh -huh. I ain't never did nothing like that. Yeah. I wanted to do things like that. I keep telling people, man, that's because I was born in the South. I'm not a Southern person. No, you a city slicker. You yeah, man. No. Outside and wheeling and wheeling. <coughs> <coughs> people ask me where I was born. I wasn't born nowhere. <laughs> you know? <clears throat> do you think that, I mean, I know we had fun on that cruise, and I know that I kind of tricked you into the cruise, because it was a cruise to nowhere, guys, and I did that because for all those who had never traveled, I wanted y'all to feel safe, like we wasn't going too far out, and then I knew that once you guys got on the actual ship, mm -hmm. that everybody could have fun. Man, me and my wife had a nice time. I think, Marshall, that was 2015. Yeah, guys, you still talking about And it trip. seemed like it was yesterday. I can remember the date and time that I boarded the ship. I think that's because you don't have any that many experiences as it relates to adventure and vacation. So that adventure and vacation just sits front and center mm -hmm. in your life. But I do recognize that when we took that trip, that was one of the first times when you started wanting to move. You're right. Wanted a better place. Mm -hmm. Wanted a better car. Yep. You bought yourself a Cadillac. When I got me a new car, y'all, it pretty too. Yeah. Yep, had a nice time. Even start buying myself nice clothes. Yeah. You know, I didn't ever get to the point where I didn't give a damn what people said. Yes, and, yeah. you, and all this time, I didn't even realize that you cared so much and you made yourself the black sheep of the family and you chose to stay away. But right. now, some of this guilt, because what I want to talk about now in the second part is that I don't think people realize parents who have strained relationships with their children, Right. I don't think they realize that there's also a guilt when those children forgive you. Right. Because it's like you've been chasing us for so long, and now that you got, you've been able to you mend catch? these relationships, right. 
not not what's next. Yes, it's like you knew how to right. live in the chase. See, I you, want to, I want you to understand. I ain't trying. I know I can't be your father now. That's past. I can be your daddy. Yeah. You know I can't raise you now. See, yeah. you already you already did that. Yeah. If you want some questions answered or something you want to ask me, we'll go through it together. Yeah. I, I, certain, but I can't ask you about no boyfriend now. Can and you do. Yeah, I knock that sucker out. <laughs> and that's fine. But it's different for <coughs> the rules for you are different. Are different because this is what I want to address is that most and I hope that parents can listen to this. Right. Even parents in my generation is that most elders hmm. have a hard time apologizing and taking responsibility for their role in their children's abandonment right. and, or suffering, suffering right. or trauma. Right. Exactly. But you just took all ownership right. and then you made the actual change right. and did the actual work. work that's right. I'm going to tell y'all, it ain't easy. No, it's not easy. It ain't easy. But nothing worth having is going to be easy. That's right. Because tomorrow, you may be frying fish. But money comes, you may be frying chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. No, well, I, I, I'm, I'm just gonna call hungry. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But your repair work is why, if anybody questions how I've been able to forgive you, that's how. It's not because it's not that I don't remember the past, right? But as an adult, I see it differently. I don't just see you differently. I also see the past differently. Right. I recognize that you were broke. Poe, right. just P-O, not you didn't that's even right. get the that's O-O-R. That's right, and I believe in some of the O's out. Yes. That's I bet people think you got something and you don't. Yeah. You know, people think, when people think, and I wasn't living no fake life. Yeah. I mean, that was it. Yeah. But you're just poor. My goodness. You know, you're trying to survive poorness. Yeah. And that's bad when you when you under poor. No, you're right. It's bad because it also creates a sense of trauma. Right. It, it creates a sense of, as a man, you've been told that you got two jobs to protect and provide. But without resources, you can't do neither. And sometimes abandonment is not about the child. Right. It's about that I have nothing to give you. Right. We live in a world that says that I don't deserve to be a part of your life. Right. And that's why you that's, that's because you make $10 more than me doesn't mean you're better than me. No, because sometimes a person's presence is enough. Right. But we live in a world that says that it's not enough. It's not enough. You got to give until you can't give no more. Yeah, you got to give until you can't give no more. Right. So I do want to tell you that I am proud of you for not letting anyone or anything stop you from maintaining and building a relationship with your children because sometimes you thank me, like, oh, thank you, Michelle, for doing this. And everybody knows me knows that if I didn't want to do it, I would exactly. not do it. Exactly. I don't do things out of obligation. I don't have that sense of guilt. Right. I don't have that. And, and, and you don't have that luxury. No. You know, you see, we don't have luxury to be anger and mean. No, I get to make a choice. Because I, I do believe in karma. I believe in karma too. Yeah, I believe in karma now. I believe in karma because karma will get you effed up. No, you're right. I also believe that you can fix your own karma, right? Like, I believe, too. Fixing your karma is like fixing bad credit. Yes, you, you can make amends for the things that we've done. And none right. of us is perfect. We've all have, we all have made lots of mistakes. We all have done things. But, you know, mm -hmm. how many babies do you got? How many babies? Mm -hmm. 
We'll focus on one more. Yeah, because you know, a Papa was a Rolling Stone. Well, no, I ain't gonna say that. Nah, I had me some half pretty, a stone. I had me some pretty women. Let's oh, leave it at that. God, Lord. Yeah, now, I told my grandson, I've been never seen him walking down the street with an ugly woman. <laughs> Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> But the fact that you have children with these women and that all of your children get along. Right. And that we I, all I see got a son. I got a son. Mm-hmm. You know, he was he loud mouth, but I got him. Uh-huh. We have <laughs> your oldest son. Right. He passed. Yeah. And then your oldest daughter is Karen. Mm-hmm. She's and, a baby. And the, and the, and the, and the, and the, Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Jennifer. Jennifer, she's a baby. Do you know how many grandchildren you have? Well, probably over a hundred. Oh, you don't got a hundred grandchildren. <laughs> no, I ain't got a hundred, y'all. But I got them. Lord, you should see my wall one day. Oh, yeah. There's the wall of everything. If you're one of my close friends and you know that there's this ridiculous Man. wall in my father's house <coughs> that looks crazy. Man, it's, he, a, it's the real deal, ain't it, my dear? No, it's the real deal, Daddy. Mm-hmm. It's... It's it's a deal, yeah. but, um, but whatever, but whatever makes you happy. Yeah. So today was just about memories, and it was sharing that although this is lighthearted conversation, mm-hmm. the goal of the conversation for me is that sometimes when people have questions like how did we get here, the father daughter relationship, I, I have had many episodes on feelings, on forgiveness, on not forgiving mm-hmm. on feel what you feel mm-hmm. and today is a manifestation of all of those things and how i got to where i am today with my father yeah. because i would not be here trying to help my father maintain if my father did not do the work so when he is saying thank you to me or he's so grateful or i don't want to burden you i recognize that those are his own childhood traumas and like i try to do with you guys help you unpack i also do that with my father and try to help him unpack and and audience i'm no fake either no 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 you're definitely no fake so i'm I'm definitely clear that i get that from you that i know you're you're definitely not a fake but you are very I'm sensitive now. Yeah, I'm sensitive too. People don't I'm know very that. Sensitive That's now. why I protect my I'm, I'm sensitive when it comes to my children. I'm sensitive when it comes to my children and my grandkids. See, you got to be careful how you speak to me about my grandkids. I got a granddaughter named Tati Mae. And you got to be sensitive to things you say about her to me. Well, that's because mm-hmm. it's not that you don't love your children and grandchildren, but Tati and <coughs> Kadeem you feel like they accept you unconditionally. I can't do no wrong. And that's a feeling that you've never had before. Right. Because people say, I love unconditionally, but that's not true. We all have conditions. Well, right. most of us have conditions, but, you know, they don't have conditions for right. your love. You know, do you know what you would want your legacy to be? Mm, no. I never thought about that. When I leave here, I just want to be a kind-hearted, good-loving human being. Well, you're definitely that. You're definitely one of the nicest people that I have ever met in my life. Nobody would ever call me that. But you are one of the nicest, kindest people. And I actually sometimes think that you are too nice. And what that means is because nice just means that you're agreeable, right? 
And I don't necessarily need for you to be agreeable. Right. And I believe that some of your traumas and some of your anxiety comes from the fact that right. you are nice and agreeable. And what that means is that you are always trying to make people comfortable. I'm always trying to make people happy. At the expense of your happiness. Right. So when people recognize that I'm the exact opposite, it's because I watch you but try. It's to, but it's confusing to, to them. Yes. You know well, because usually people who are that nice, you are usually the scapegoat, right? You make yeah. yourself the scapegoat. And what that means is that, I use this word in the episode, I can't think of it <coughs> right now, but you are the, what's the thing when people dump things off on you? Sucker. <laughs> hey, the word is not sucker. Okay. And one of these, but sucker is good enough. Yeah. But you gotta be the sucker in the story. Right. Yeah. But usually, suckers. What happens is that over time, you also that statement treat people how you want to be treated. It's right. not the truth. No, it's not. Because it'll leave you constantly waiting right. and begging and pleading with people for them to treat you the way that you treated them. Right. And ninety percent of the time, that never happens. Right. That's a false statement. Yes. Because no, nobody treats you the way you want to be treated. I don't. I don't find nobody where I want to treat them. If I treat you excellent, you're not gonna come back with that. No, it's who they are. Right. Right. There are people who may respond. I mean, we wish that. Yeah, who respond to your kindness. Right. And it's nice if they get that. That's but we right. also have to learn how to recognize who people are as they are. Right. Right. If you had any final words for people, exactly what would you want to tell the people? Like for me. You're, when you look over your whole life, right. what do you see? I look over my whole life. I see sadness, strength, kindness. And at the end, I'm beginning to see a power that I should have used when I had it. Oh, power, huh? Mm-hmm. On that note, guys, I'm tired of talking to you. Bye.